Okay, everybody. Here's our intro. For as long as we have lived near the sea and sailed the waters, strange machines that easily slip the barrier between sun and liquid have captivated us. Accounts go back to our earliest recorded history, tales of saucers that dip below the swell of choppy surf, stories from those who have been whisked away in the dead of night to awaken in a pitch blue world surrounded by beings unlike our human family. We're still wrestling with the question of what's happening in our oceans. In the first congressional hearing to discuss unidentified aerial phenomena since the 60s, defense officials refused to answer when asked about underwater UAPs. Today, we're setting sail on a journey with Debbie Ziegelmeyer, a lighthouse in the vast and mysterious world of UFO research. Debbie's adventures began in 2000 when she joined MUFON, and since then, her quest for understanding has taken her from the skies above to the enigmatic depths below. Her roles have since expanded to include MUFON star team investigator, Missouri State Director, member of the MUFON Business Board of Directors, and the Functional Director of Underwater Research and Recovery. Not stopping there, Debbie also contributes her expertise as a member of the MARS team, serves as a benefactor, co-founded the MUFON Dive Team, and shares her skills as a PADI instructor, all while running a small business in Imperial, Missouri. Her contributions to the field have not gone unnoticed, with Debbie making her mark through various podcasts, conferences, and TV appearances. Debbie's first book, The Alien Colonization of Earth's Waterways, a reference guide to UFO-slash-USO water-related activity, is a compelling exploration of underwater UFO sightings and evidence of non-human intelligence activity beneath our oceans. She has also authored, along with Margie Kay, the 50th anniversary of the Southeast Missouri Ozarks UFO flap. So, grab your snorkels and your curiosity. Who knew the secrets of the universe could be hiding just below the surface? Let's dive in and find out together. Hi, thank you for having me on. Oh, thanks, Debbie. I'm so happy that you're here and um, speaking with us about your research and your work in MUFON and your interest in the whole UFO phenomenon. How'd you get started? Oh, gosh, with <laughs> a lot of different ways. I, I got started investigating or in the interest of UFOs. I grew up in Safford, Arizona, which is just, you know, a few miles uh, north of Mexico, so way down in Graham County, where I had a really brilliant sky to look at. Uh, I got started with water, which is kind of funny because I was afraid of the water, but my <laughs> son and my husband in uh, 2000 decided they wanted to learn to scuba dive, and they had so much fun, they they uh, decided to include me. Wow. And um, I was just such a terrible diver that, yeah, <laughs> that... <laughs> I just kept diving more and more trying to get comfortable in the water because I was actually afraid of the water. And um, before I knew it, I had qualified, you know, the, the beginning steps to become an, uh, an instructor. And so my son-in-law and I did that together and one led to another, you know, when you're in the water, you spend that much time, especially when you're taking all those classes, you start to think more about what's going on in the water. And every time I'd see a UFO sighting, I would be drawn to the water ones things over the water. I mean, it's it's very beautiful underwater, but very mysterious as well, because you can't see from the surface what you've right. got. So that's kind of, and then with MUFON, I mean, I, I just, you know, all one kind of led into the other. I started going to conferences and before I knew it, it, it was a little one of those things where, um, you know, I became a state director because I, I, I missed the meeting and no one else wanted to do it. 
you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I know exactly the feeling. That's why I started my group because nobody uh, was doing it, was, was doing it, you know, in a way that, that really gathered community so people could meet each other who are interested in the phenomenon, talk about it. It's important. Right. And before you know it, you know, that one thing leads to another and here you are. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. So, so how, how, what was your first interest in UFOs? Did it, did it arise out of your experiences diving and, or did you have your own UFO experience? My first interest probably as a child, because um, there wasn't a lot to do in Safford, Arizona. So I had a, a science teacher who um, was interested in astronomy and he would take his telescope on the weekends and have us meet him at the football field and we would look at the stars. You know, this is long before lasers pointing up or anything. So he got me interested in astronomy and it was just such a vast amount of stars wow. visible where I lived. It was just a little town at the time. And from there, well, then we had all the TV shows, you know, Lost in Space, Star Trek, right, and, right. you know, went on and on. And, and um, that was kind of the thing to do. So I guess my, my science teacher, you know, in school was the one that got me looking up at the sky. And, you know, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then it's one of those things I joined MUFON and they asked me why. And I said, I wanted to know more. And um, right. now I'm kind of sorry I asked. There's... <laughs> <laughs> There is so much going on. I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> there absolutely is. Uh, and Missouri is a real hot spot, I think, for UFO activity. Yeah. There's been an incredible um, amount of sightings over decades. What are some of the highlights of things that you've investigated as a MUFON investigator? Oh, here in Missouri. Oh, my gosh. Well, Piedmont, last year we had our 50th anniversary of the 1973 sightings. It started out with Reggie Bone the basketball player, uh, basketball coach from Piedmont and five of his basketball players, they were coming back from a game in Essex and they saw a craft hovering over a field. It's kind of the, wow. the short story of it, but it ended up a couple hundred people that same night saw this and it went on um, to where Harley Rutledge from Southeast Missouri State from uh, Cape Girardeau um, right. University professor at university, he came over and investigated and he thought, okay, well, he got a couple weeks of funding from the college. And um, the first night he was set up in April of 73, he had a sighting. And so they went back. Well, that couple couple weeks funding ended up going all the way into um, 19, from 1973 to 1980. They had, I mean, there was just so many sightings. In fact, that's where I'm headed in April. They're having a big festival there. There's so many sightings that we're gonna we're lucky enough here where i am the eclipse the total eclipse of the sun's gonna go right over the top of us oh you're so I lucky know. we're only getting a partial here in new mexico oh, we're getting it all <laughs> piedmont's gonna have a great big festival with with um oh gosh speakers down there i'll be down there and a, a light parade last oh. year after the parade we went to the drive-in movie theater and they showed close encounters Oh, that's and fun. The interesting part about the movie theater was back in the day, back in the 1970s, people used to see, they'd be there at the movie theater and somebody would holler, turn off the projector, they're back. And they would run oh. in and tell a projectionist to turn it off and they would watch strange lights in the sky. Oh, and so to be able well, to go back and visit that. And then just about eight miles away is Clearwater Lake, which is known um, a month after Reggie Bone and the basketball player sighting. There were two other ladies, Kathy Leach and uh, Kathy, uh, Kathy Leach and let's see, Kathy Coleman and also oh, Jean Coleman, Kathy Leach. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you for your patience. My head is uh, Jean Coleman, Kathy Leach. They were going over the Clearwater Dam and there was a large craft hovering over the over the water. Uh, we're still incredible. getting sightings, still getting sightings of that lake with them uh, craft, you know, hovering over lights coming in and out, lights hovering wow. over the top. So that area is very active. It's so active. August of last year, uh, Missouri legislation um, voted for it to officially be the UFO capital of the state of Missouri. Piedmont is. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> um, but here currently we're investigating sightings. Uh, we've got a place called Marley Woods that they've been investigating yes. the team down there since uh, 1998. 
I've been investigating the St. Clair, Missouri and Merrimack River area, my team and I, since uh, 2018. Um, since 2011, uh, Margie Kay, the uh, Missouri Assistant State Director, MUFON Assistant State Director of the Kansas City area, has been investigating a strange light in that area. We're on opposite ends of the state. I'm near St. Louis. She's by Kansas right. City. Uh, the light's been um, been uh, recorded by the news media down there, by several people. It's out so much. This strange light just appears and then disappears. They've named it Bob. Uh, Bob! So <laughs> I love that! <laughs> we've got three very, very hot areas here. Um, that's that's amazing. That's amazing. So, so, four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So do people organize sky watch parties to go out and try to capture the we phenomenon? Do. Yeah. Oh, we do a couple times a year. We have we have parties. We have sky parties. Uh, there's yeah. one, I believe, um, every year we have it in June. Okay. And um, Margie Kay, um, she has um, Unex Network. She, so you could look to Unex Network or also go to MissouriMufon.org and, and check and find out when it is because we try and get people nationwide to go out on that day and take a look at the sky. Uh, last year when I was involved in it, she had uh, a lady, I was sitting in French Village at our, our lake lot down there where I go diving yeah. with my sister. And there was a gal that joined our group from Australia. <laughs> so wow. I, we had a pretty great Margie work organized a pretty great sky watch. We had them from everywhere. Oh, that's amazing. It, that's amazing. So how, how many sightings have you had or, or like, like general idea oh of, of types of sightings or number of sightings that you've had that involved um, UFOs coming in or out of the water in Missouri? Is, is that, is that a popular location? Do you think for that kind of USO activity? Yes. Um, start. Yeah, I can start. Start with Missouri. Um, we have the, the Mississippi River. Yes, that's had um, in the last couple of years several sightings of what looked like a tic tac. Two oh. of them have been reported by police officers uh, officers in the area who actually saw these things. They were at least thirty foot long, and wow. they there in uh, by the Jefferson Barracks Bridge. Both of the officers happened to be one. Of, one was parked at a light. Another one was in a gas station parking lot. Uh, we've oh, had, that's um, fascinating. Lights that are hovering above and right on the shoreline um, in um, St. Clair, Missouri, where I'm investigating. Uh, Blue Springs Lake. Uh, they have a lot of things coming in and out of the water there. Um, of course, we've got Clearwater Lake by Piedmont. Right. Uh, the um, the major rivers, you know, I investigate the the, the Merrimack. I have uh, some other investigators that have been looking at the Mississippi and Margie's taking, you know, takes a look at the Missouri River. So we have three big rivers. Uh, we um, also, um, I've had a, uh, an ocean sighting. I don't know if you had my, <laughs> you looked at my book, you probably saw it in there. I did. I have <laughs> Debbie's book. I highly recommend that everyone go out and get this book right away. It's oh, thank you. fantastic. It is like a compendium of all of these underwater UFO cases throughout the years. And it goes by dates and it has um, eyewitness accounts, all kinds of background on different kinds of sightings and, and the sightings. There's a wide variety of different types of craft and sightings. It's fantastic, A++. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I started out to write, just write a little book about UFO sightings. In my very first book, yeah. I ended up writing a, a, a reference book. It was, right. it was so much. And I thought it was important to put as much as I could in there. At one point, I just had to stop. But I found shipped ship logs um, wow. of, of sightings. My sighting um, was, it was, it was odd. It was uh, 2006. Uh, January 25th of 2006, I was on a Royal Caribbean uh, cruise ship and I went diving in St. Martin. And so everybody else, when they got back onto the ship, well, they went in and they showered and they were getting ready for dinner. Now, they, when you go to cruise ship now, you can have um, your dinner at various times. But back then in 2006, right. it had to be the 630 or the 830 dinner. Okay. So we always picked the 8.30 dinner and that way it gave us a little bit of time. Well, I was diving in St. Martin. So when I, I got back on the ship a little bit early at, 
like 4.30, the rest of the group was out there. I went in and took a shower and was there waiting to take pictures as the ship left shore because I hadn't got to see St. Martin. It was only my second cruise. Everybody else by then had come in late. They're in showering. The crew was picking up towels and chairs. Everybody's getting ready for dinner that night. Right. And as I'm taking pictures, about 20 minutes from St. Martin out to ocean, you really couldn't see much of anything anymore. We were headed to St. Thomas. I started walking toward the bow of the ship to meet up uh, with the people that had finished uh, showering. And I looked off to the right-hand side and there were these look like saucers about the size of cars off in the distance. And they, they were like this, they were doing that and they were doing this. So they're doing this and this at the same time. And wow. It, so they're oh, kind of like spinning, spinning horizontally, but then with a wobble. Well, I thought maybe, I don't know, the, the, they were wobbling, but then they were also doing, and they were maybe 10 to 15 feet, I guess, over the water. And as I looked, I thought, what is that? And the, my first reaction was to turn around behind me and look and see what was reflecting from the ship right. onto the water. Right. And when I looked back, the ship was leaving them behind. I went, <laughs> oh, no. And yeah, so it's not running. a reflection. <laughs> <if> the- <laughs> no. I got one good picture. Um, the plexi, there wasn't, pl- you know, there's plexiglass below right. me, but I had an open view. And I leaned over the railing and steadied my arms and got one good picture. Then I took off running because I'm losing them behind. The ship is right. booking it. And um, <laughs> I got another fuzzy picture through plexiglass. So it wasn't all that good. And I asked everybody I could find crew. They wouldn't let me talk to the captain. Hmm. Trying to find out. And I said, well, do you have maybe... Do you do that for the tourist? Are you hovering something right. over your remote control? And they said, no. And I said, they said, we're not allowed to throw anything. We're not allowed to do anything over the ship. And I said, well, they were too high up to be any kind of a submarine. Maybe they were reflecting off of an underwater submarine. He said, no, the water's really deep there. And it was a, it was, you know, the tourist submarines don't come out this far. Nobody knew anything. Well, when I got back home and I started copying my pictures off of the little scan disc, um, the dates were all set from that moment on February 5th. So it moved from January 25th to February 5th and the time was off. Every picture from then. I was already home and my pictures were dated. Wow, so that's interesting. And and, what was and so I had this picture and I did as much research. And I think that that might have been the beginning of trying to research what was in water. And so I held on to it all those years till my book came out. And I thought, oh, I need to put that picture in there and talk about my story of just yeah. the oddest thing. And no one believed me. No one, you know, my whole group, don't, no one else saw it but me. But I got a picture in color. And yes. I mean, Unmist- and I didn't notice uh, in the pictures in the book, but there's another right. one materializing at the top. It looks like it's in clouds. So what they were either coming up and then going up higher and then maybe getting cloud cover and taking off, or they were in the clouds and then coming down and then clearing up before they wanted water. But it looks like there's one mask in clouds. And I saw that later on. I, I didn't see it that night. I was too busy. Right. But that one, yeah. you know, and here, here I was diving, just you know, right, right, I know, yeah, all day scuba diving, and then it takes for me to leave the ship, you know, to get on the <laughs> ship, leave the shore, and twenty minutes out in thousands of feet deep ocean water. There they See, are. That's so interesting. Do you feel that that sighting experience changed you in any way? Did you have any kind of um, some people experience some kind of an awakening or a deeper connection? Uh, so, no, I founded the dive team with Tom Ferrario in 2003. And this was six. So yeah. no, I was already hooked. It yeah, was, there you go. <laughs> I, just, uh, I, w- I just started looking more at ocean, gathering up uh, ship logs, right. that thing, uh, looking at the Caribbean. I con- And actually, the one thing I the first one of the first things I did was contact um, Jorge Martin. He's the lead investigator in uh, Puerto Rico. Okay. And I, I I bought his book and his phone number happened to be in it. I thought, oh, it's just a contact phone number. And I called right. Puerto Rico and he answered the phone. I wow. thought, oh my gosh. And we spoke for, oh gosh, a couple hours. He was just wow. the nicest gentleman. 
he sent me over pictures from his website and told me I could use them in my presentations. So, um, oh, very, that's awesome. very nice, very nice gentleman, very knowledgeable and a lot going on in Puerto Rico. He thinks there's an underwater base right there in Puerto Rico. And he has, you can go to his website and um, it's Jorge Martin, Puerto Rico and, or just Puerto Rico UFOs and he'll come up, but very interesting things. Uh, they have a lot of chupacabra. Oh, chupacabra. Yeah. yeah. We've oh, had sightings of those here in New Mexico, in fact. Oh, yeah. They're they're yeah. there in, in Puerto Rico. There, there's a lot oh. of really strange, I started researching that, strange creatures in Puerto Rico. They have yeah. an extraterrestrial highway in Puerto Rico. They do. Uh yes, when I, I um in fact I'm I'm going on a cruise again and we're that's one of our stops. It'll be in September. But um, when I was out there, I, I stayed for, I think it was three days before a cruise, a different time. And we asked a taxi cab driver to take us out and so we could take a picture of the sign. Right. <laughs> said the round trip would be $300. And I said, yeah, I'll go online and get a picture of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thought, wow, $300. Well, it was a $300 taxi ride. <laughs> so does that highway follow like um, an area where there's sightings and... Apparently that that sign is on a highway where there are a lot of sightings. Okay, that's interesting. So in your in your diving, um, have you been diving looking for any kinds of evidence of, of underwater activity or underwater bases? Uh, yes, I. Um, you know, here I've been diving in lakes, looking around. I've had a few right. investigations where I just go in there, look around, can't see a whole lot. I'd like to set up a trip with Chris Stiles. He's um, he's in, he's um, wrote the book. Oh gosh, sorry, Chris. I can't remember the name of his book, but he's the lead investigator for Shag Harbor. And, oh, Shag um, Harbor, right. Oh my gosh, yeah. And I was a speaker for them a couple years ago. We went right to the sites, which was so exciting because the Coast Guard came out when they saw the tour bus get there. The Coast Guard came from just nowhere, started doing a big circle right around where the craft had entered the water. So I thought, how great of them. But I'd like to go diving there. From what I understand, yes. it's about 55 feet deep is all. Uh, the water's Oh, that's cool. not very deep. No, yeah, sure no. And, and and the water's cold, but I've also been diving in Alaska. I, I did okay. a, um, a uh, uh, oh gosh, a, a show for, uh, let's see, I was on Alaska Triangle and they, um, I went to Alaska and they had me diving. Uh, I I'd like to take a lot, uh, look around in Prince William Harbor. There's um, Prince, Prince William Sound, Prince William Sound. There's a lot going on there. A lot of things I started looking online and there was, just seemed like a lot of odd things underwater. A lot of hey. ships. A lot of ships have sunk. I mapped it all out one time, but a lot of them. But I, I'd like to take a look around in that area too. And I think the water was in the mid forties at the time. They had me in a great big, in a dry suit, all weighted down. I felt like Gumby. And <laughs> I did get go get to go diving in in Alaska. We took a look around, but a lot of times things are so so deep. And then when right. you get into the water like that too, it's deep and it's dark. And even with metal detectors, it's really hard to find something. But what I'd like to do is go into the Caribbean out in the ocean at night and, um, you know, just go down maybe 20, 30 feet and look and see if I can see something glowing deep, deep, deep. All right. Right. And there's, a, isn't there a limit to, I've never, I've never gone on a dive before, but isn't there like a limit to what a human diver can attain as far as depth? Recreational diver, divers, I'm a recreational dive instructor. It's 130 feet. And okay. I've just by default, by accident, been down probably about 142, 145. Mm. Well, I went on a dive in Cozumel and we came out of a cave at, it's Punta Sur. We came um, out of a cave at about 130 feet. And then while we're waiting for everybody else to come out, we were drifting and then we'd have to go back up. And right. So, uh, yeah. My, my, my arm was like at a hundred and, you know, my, my gauge was 142, but my feet were probably, you know, <laughs> feet deeper. Uh, and then, you know, our safety stop was a little bit longer. We had to wait an extra, like an extra 12 minutes because of the depth we came up in levels, but about 130 feet. Uh, and that's, that's the beauty of the water and hiding. Um, there's things that, our deepest trench is seven miles in Mariana Trench. 
Most right. of the trenches are, they average about two miles deep. And it, for people who don't know what a trench is, you have tectonic plates. The trenches are the gaps in between the Earth's tectonic plates. And so they go down very, very deep. You could very, you know, if you, you want to build or put a craft or something down there, you can wedge something. You could stay down there. I mean, they're also, they're pretty wide. But at depth, oh, gosh, you know, you can go several miles. Our, our submarines can, well, look what happened to the Titan. That was right, only right, two right. and a half that miles. That was a tragedy, deep. right. Oh, my gosh. Only two and a half miles to the Titanic. Can you imagine going down seven miles? We had I, I can't even imagine. And and so, you know, we don't even have like the technology to to continue to explore the, the bottom of the ocean floor at some of these depths. It's kind of hit or miss what you can capture. So that would be a good place for a civilization to hide. Oh, absolutely. And even even if you're down a mile, if someone's down five miles, you're right. probably not going to see anything. Um, I, I had one of the people that um, I did some research and there was someone that was taken off of the coast of California, Southern California, and ended up in a base underwater. And, and then she said that she was told that they have a camouflage around, that, that uh -huh. fish, that vessels, that it's, the area is camouflaged so you can't see it. And it's at depth, so it's deep enough to where nobody's going down there, but you can't even look down and see it because it's camouflaged. Oh, interesting. You know, guess, Very so, interesting. Uh, so, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, what what we're doing here is we think that they're traveling um, around, they're traveling through our caves. We're the cave okay. state in Missouri. We think through our caves and our waterways. And where we're trying to catch them is the gap in between. And um, right. the one... Well, the ones we're researching now, we know that there's a reservoir. Then we know that they're trying to make their way to um, the river where they're going to go in and go through 14, 18, 20 miles a cave. And we've caught them a few coming across. And but one of the more interesting was uh, we were off of Interstate 44. And this has been like three years ago or so. Interstate 44 on a January 5th watch these balls of light and they were coming low across interstate 44 and we picked them up because we have military grade night vision oh, so nice. we picked up a light spectrum that you can't see very well with your eyes and especially if you're on the interstate there's the glow of the headlights you're not seeing balls of light going over the top of you when we watched right. it come across we were staged on um route 66 and it came across 66 went halfway up through woods the trees without leaves because it's January. Right. So halfway through the trees, this ball of light, these balls of light were coming through. Then they're going up into the air, you know, and then one of them came over the top of us and it cupped and started doing that. Oh, and interesting. Then, and then it turned again to a solid ball of white light and went off into the distance. And we had a couple of them, one briefly and the second one, I've got it pretty long on, on video. As it got altitude, maybe a thousand feet altitude, yeah. all of a sudden it turned on a green and a red FAA light as it's really? going. Away. And it's it, a camouflage, it, do you think? As like a oh, measure. sure, because yeah. it's, it's this light at, at um, you know, at, at um, altitude. Right. So maybe, I don't know, for our benefit, maybe for somebody else's. Right. The mistake they made was it's going away from us. And the light on the left was green. The one on the right was red. Now, it was either upside down or flying backward. Because <laughs> going away, it should be red and green. It was green and red. And we have it on video in color. Oh, that's, that is so funny. <laughs> the same thing was picked up in, um, I believe it was May of 1973 by Harley Rutledge at Farmington Airport when he was, re he was investigating Piedmont, Missouri. And right. they had, they were taking pictures and they had the same thing happen. And it's in Harley Rutledge's book. Um, and they got a picture, but it's in black and white. Oh. And so it took 50, almost 50 years later, we got, we were able to observe the same type of activity and we have it on color video. So wow. That, that's one of our more exciting um, investigations because how do you even explain that? How do you explain it? What do you think they're doing? What do you think they're up to? Uh, in this area, uh, you know, yeah. traveling around. Uh, yeah. Um, 
I, I think they're going in the water for one to hide for another. Maybe they're uh, harvesting our hydrogen. Could be. They In the air, they can get all the oxygen they want. They right. might be going after our hydrogen in the water. Um, they're, you know, they're doing whatever, I guess, different races probably have different agendas. I, I, I think that that's the case. Yeah, there, there's so right. different, many different kinds of, uh, you know, non-human intelligence aliens, whatever you want to call them, have been reported. Different kinds of features seem to, to you know, fly different kinds of ships, act in different kinds of ways. And Right. Yeah. And they, they have different agendas. Some of them may be residing here. And I absolutely believe that they have been here for long enough. I mean, in my book, too, I have a passage from the Bible from Zechariah right. that basically describes seeing a tic-tac. What was exactly. it? I think it was uh, 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 let's see, 20 by 15 cubit or 20 by 10 cubits. You know, it, it's, they're describing a tic-tac, a roll in the sky. So they've right. been here for a long time. Some of them are residents and they're just moving about doing their business, probably taking um, data. Right. Um, it, they're scientists taking data. Other ones are maybe here for something totally different. Maybe they're taking a genetic um, samples, other ones that may be vegetation. Right. Some of them, maybe they're just interested in, in our atmosphere, interested us in us just in general. On I vacation, perhaps. <laughs> it could be. Um, you it, never it, know. Yeah. It, it could be. It could be time travelers coming right. back. And they're right. hiding around there. But there's so many different possibilities and there yeah. has to be so many different agendas that I try and explain to somebody that just look at the traffic in the morning when you're headed to work. You're right, rushing. Right, right. Look at all the cars. Everybody in that car has got a different agenda. They've exactly. got a different day planned out, a different job. Even if they have the same job, let's say, as a teacher, the teachers all have a different agenda, even if they teach the same course. Right. They're teach so it, it's, it's impossible to figure out what they're doing. And they may have a different agenda every day, every week. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we don't know what's going on. And, yeah. you know, it's so easy, I think, because you hear a lot with all of the congressional hearings oh, uh, there's a yeah a propensity for this whole national security agenda to be put forth that that it's almost like it's a fear-based thing that we need to be afraid of these things these other beings when in reality we've been living with them our entire existence right <laughs> and i believe it was at the end of 2022 i think it was december of 2022 they decided to focus on water sightings I thought, right, oh, that's right. Gee, they probably should, since everything that they've released so far from the Navy are it's the Navy, for goodness sakes. <laughs> they're coming in and out of the water. They they're are. hovering over the water. They're chasing right. them across the water. I mean, we had, you know, starting with, you know, that one that was all over the airport in uh, Puerto Rico back a right. few years ago. Uh, it That's the key. 70% of the earth is is covered by water. And then you have a place like Missouri that's full of caves. I mean, there's we have a lot of great places to hide, but especially the water, 70% yeah. of our earth. And according to Noah, we have only in, only investigated 5% of our waterways. That's just incredible. So 95% of our waterways are completely mysterious to us, it's unknown. Absolutely. And pro right. apparently not to them. <laughs> <laughs> And then the people that do find out, their memories are erased. So that's right. <laughs> so, uh, so do you want to tell us a little bit about some of those abduction encounters that you've researched? Because those are so fascinating to me. Oh yes, I, I had uh, the, the the one in California that um, the the lady was was taken, and she said it was in Southern California. She was taken to a base underwater and told, and then she said it was basically a city, and she wow. was told that. People couldn't see it. Vessels couldn't see it. Basically, vessels and fish. It was camouflaged to keep away vessels and fish. Um, oh, interesting. I uh, had them. Oh, gosh. Let's see. There was a couple different people that were taken in Southern California. Uh, oh, an interesting one was um, Linda Cortell. It, Bud Hopkins investigated right. that. She was taken out of the out of her apartment building. Right. 12-story window and taken under the East River. And she doesn't remember. She remembers being taken. She remembers when she when they went into the water, she said she could see trash going by the windows. 
But the interesting part was there were people on the other side of the bank. Uh, you know, oh, no, they were on the bridge. The other side, that was uh, Pascagoula. But on they were right. on the bridge and they they saw her go into the they saw the craft go into the water. And then Pascagoula, uh, they were the, the craft came up and um, floated the, them up into it and went into the water. And there were people on the other side of the river. And they were there were two people that were getting them. There was also a lady that was in a car. But there were two other people on a dock loading up their fishing vessel, which was, yeah. you know, like a commercial fish, fishing boat. Right. And they they not only saw the, the craft and the lights and everything, but, and the husband had seen the people go up. The wife didn't remember, or saw, yeah, the two guys taken. Uh, the, wow. They remember a, a creature came from underwater, came right up to the dock. And oh. she remembers the creature coming up and, um, then going underwater and not coming back up again, he remembers the two creatures coming up from the end of the dock and grabbing him and him fighting. And that oh, he was underwater. He remembered he had taken underwater and then he thought he couldn't breathe and then he could right. breathe. And I, so, and then their memories stop. And what what's really hard about the, about any of the abductions and there, there are plenty of books and plenty of witnesses to where it's a proven fact now to the to the point where MUFON does investigate um, abductions and does have an ERT team right. that talks to these to the to these abductees, you know, the people that that are taken. Um, but they remember being taken, and then they remember sometimes they they know when they're back, and then sometimes they can remember just as they're put back and see the beings disappear or the portal or whatever, because there's uh, uh, stories about, or not encounters, not, not stories, right. there's reports of the the room having being sparkly blue or sparkly green. Well, oh. they remember that at the beginning and then, you know, being abducted, then coming back, they remember the room changing from the sparkly blue or green back to normal. They, re in, under regression, they remember some of what went on. Nobody remembers the trip in between. Nobody remembers the trip from the time they were taken to where right. they stopped or when that. And um, I was saying that before that that is the most important thing if you're going to erase somebody's memory is the trip back and right. forth. Because if the person remembers not only being taken, but they remember exactly where they went, and then they leave. They remember leaving there and then coming back. The secret's out. We know the where their base is, is where their mothership is, where right. their, their portal, the wormhole, the um, the the opening to the next dimension, whatever it is, whatever form of, of transportation or whatever form of, um, uh, I guess, where they take, whether or not they're being taken to a different dimension even. Right. We know where it is. And right. so it was, right. it was very hard, but right now I'm, I'm, it should be out end of the summer, but I'm working on a third book because I was doing research. Um, I'm going to be speaking on this at the MUFON Symposium in July, which is in uh, Texas, Dallas, Texas. And um, I started doing the research of what's actually going on underwater. And I came up with, I, I found a dozen people who either people witnessed them hitting the water, you know, going into the water or right. they remember some of what one of them was interesting. This person remembered being taken and then they, they come up and they're going through the air and they go back down and they end up in different oceans and they're in Europe. And they're oh, that's fascinating. And wow. Remember this whole kind of this whole trip, like a tour, uh, but it's very rare because, yes. you know, it, it, in the deep ocean, I guess, if you move somebody around enough, it, it's, they're not going to remember where they were anyway. They can remember general area, but. Right. It's so huge. It's, it's the ocean is much larger than all of our land masses put together. Right. You know, it's, 70%. So. Right. Wow. So have you followed at all uh, Avi Loeb's um, underwater explorations? I have been. Um, he spoke um, by, um, um, by Zoom at the MUFON Symposium last year. 
and uh, I got interested in that. He was looking for, for something that came from another universe, isn't it? Um, another solar system, I'm sorry, right, another solar right. system that had gone into the water. Uh, I haven't had chance lately to uh, um, catch up on what he found. I know they were um they found analyzing. some little sphericals of some not sort, and they're working on an analysis, but not a lot of information no. has come out on that yet. But not a lot. But it's it's interesting seeing you know Harvard scientists get involved now in the underwater UFO search. So right, yeah. Right. Um, since then, I mean, I've you know Roswell is still going on. I've been there, been on a couple. I've been on actually three archaeology digs on the debris field there in Roswell. So that's a little oh. bit easier to search for things. You know, you're you're in the desert, dry you're land. In the desert. Get a <laughs> shovel and a metal detector and go to town. You don't have to worry about, um, you know, your air running out. <laughs> no, no, you just have to worry pressure, about pressure. The... Your the pressure on your body. <laughs> the, about the intense heat, the wind. Yeah, um, all the wind. Tarantulas, <laughs> scorpions, snakes. <laughs> But besides that, it's all good. I know. Lots of New Mexican, all those things are just like a piece of cake. But, you know, we uh, would, uh, but, you know, uh, I die in the humidity in Missouri. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh, the humidity here. Oh, goodness. It's it's terrible. I'll tell you, the weather is so odd in Missouri. We have a 50 degree change in temperature from yesterday to today. To today. Yesterday. Oh, wow. Yesterday, our high was 82 degrees. We were all sitting outside at a restaurant, a whole group of us, and it, it dropped 50 degrees overnight. Wow. <laughs> and I think it's only in the 40s. It was 82 yesterday. Oh, my gosh. The week before, we had snow, <laughs> and a couple of weeks ago, it was minus four. But wow. then a couple of days ago, it was 70. So, I mean, you, you don't know about Missouri, but when summer comes, the humidity, oh, goodness, it's in the 80s, 90s. It catches your breath. You just... Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then it it's does. really hard to sky watch. I like to sky watch in the winter because you try to do something in the summertime and you have to wait till maybe two in the morning because there's so much humidity. It right. takes Too a while for all of that. Right. right. It takes right. a while for the sky to clear and you can actually see something. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, we've got a question here from Rose here. I'll pop it up there. What is your opinion on the supposed UFO base near Catalina Island, California? Oh, I love Catalina. I spent um, a week there. Well, actually, at Catalina Island, two days there last January, a year ago, January. Um, I, I have two sisters that live in Southern California. Oh, I think there's definitely a base there. Uh, there's also that anomaly off of uh, Malibu. And then there were some investigations on that that said, well, no, you know, it's a landmass. Oh, no, it's not. We found another one exactly like it on Google Earth off of Japan. And then we tried to go back again, and that one was erased. The one in, they, they kind of blurted out the one in Catalina is, you know, too many people have seen it. So, right, right. Uh, Google Earth is just leaving that one alone. There's definitely right. something in uh, 1992, they had over uh, 200 uh, UFOs, you know, reports of UFOs coming out of the water all day long. 1992, they were seen by um, by military personnel, co uh, um, um, lifeguards, uh, vacationers, uh, uh, police officers, tourists, locals. These things would come out of the water and hover and then shoot off at a high rate of speed. And wow. there's even a couple, there's pictures of them. You know, I think there's might even be one in my book. Um, there's, it's just a mysterious place. Uh, even Wyland, who has uh, a studio out there. I bought one of his pictures. Oh, sorry, Wyland, I don't remember the name of it, but I bought one of, one of his paintings. It's got the swirls on it. Oh, yeah. well, look, there's a picture in the background here. The <laughs> With the swirls in the sky. And I, I asked him at the studio when I got it. And I said, has Wyland seen anything? Well, Wyland has out a, a book on UFOs now and says it's fiction. But right. there, right. my sisters have sightings there. I just talked to uh, Earl Gray, the MUFON uh, estate director of Southern yeah. California. And he said he had a presentation for us. He zoomed into our meeting uh, last yeah. Wednesday and the sightings, I mean, he's telling us about balls of light and, wow. and ship sightings. The, um, our section director who lives in the Kansas city area, about four hours from me, Kansas city, Missouri area, 
was in the Navy and had they had a sighting four days in a row of something that was coming in and out of the water and hovering back when he was in the Navy. So there's oh, that's incredible. Oh, a lot going on. I've been diving. Um, I, let's see. I've been diving off of Laguna. I've been diving in Catalina. The water's deep. It's, you know, it's very deep. It's, it's hard to see anything. But last January when I was there, I took my night vision video camera and we were on a hotel overlooking the harbor. And um, the moment I turned on my night vision and it was there was kind of glows from the boats there and the, the houses around. But so I'm just I'm doing this and I just barely moved it a little bit. Here comes something that comes like this and then disappears. I thought, oh, wow. You know, might have been a meteor, which probably was. But what are the odds that you take a night right. vision camera and you point it out there, and in less than a minute you catch something coming down? <laughs> I was up all night, never caught anything else again. But, uh, but there, there is a special out right now. I think it's called um, the Terror in the Sky, and I'm not sure if it's either on Netflix or it's on Amazon. Very interesting. They had people that set up cameras on Catalina Island and in Laguna. Yeah. And these are millions of dollars in equipment and or at least hundreds of thousands, right. if not a million dollars worth of sure. cameras are 250,000 for, for some of these professional cameras. Oh, it doesn't take long to hit a million. They were they were triangulating between the two and they they caught a very some very interesting things. And so if you get a chance to look at that. Uh, we they had taped it. I saw the the movie. They had taped it in 2011, and when I went there last year, January of 2023, we went. We took the tour and went all the way up to the airport. And there was a gentleman at the gift shop, and they were selling Catalina Island, you know, Southern California Ocean UFO sightings. Right. And he said, "Oh, these people from the Travel Channel or someplace. These investigators were back." And I said, "Back." And he goes, oh, yeah. He said, they just left about six weeks ago. And he said, they're back, back taping, trying to find something else. So apparently there's going to be a part two, you know, and he kind of. Okay, that's exciting. I'll have to, I'll have to check that out. I haven't seen that yet. So Oh, it's the ending. I don't want to kill the ending, but the ending is great because they do find something and they find something very interesting. So watch it all the way to the okay, end. Okay, I'm going to. The ending is great. So other than Catalina, um, what are some other hot spots where there might be an underwater base? Well, Puerto Rico, definitely. Puerto or, Rico. Jorge Martin. Right. Yes, definitely. There's one in Puerto Rico. Um, Solomon Islands, something over there. I think there's some kind of an underwater base in and around Alaska. I know that the the Mount, I think it's Mount Hayes there. They've got activity coming in and out. Yeah. I don't know why there's three harp stations in a row there in in, um, um, in Alaska, but a lot's going on in Alaska. I think there's something going on there. Also, um, um, Antarctica. Right. They're yeah, Antarctica. That's a fascinating place. What do you think's going on down there? There's so many interesting accounts about UFOs, maybe a base under the ice and the snow, the I think tundra, so. whatever. <laughs> there's mysterious, there's places I've talked to a pilot. I've talked to a couple different pilots, actually, that told me that they're not allowed to fly over a certain area. Right. It's just off limits. And one of them said they had to fly over that area. There was a, a medical problem with somebody on their team and they oh, saw wow. a giant hole. You know, really? there was a, just like a circle, a giant cutout circle with something deep in there. Wow. Um, seen a special, it was a, a special on, you know, one of these documentaries. Right. People had seen things going going into this hole, I think there's some kind of a base in there, whether or not it's ours, whether or not it's ours and theirs. Right. It might be a combined base for all we know. Right. And I believe that's going to be a topic. I need to research that. I've got till uh, July, but I believe that's going to be a topic of a discussion at the MUFON Symposium this summer. And in, 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 I think it's a second weekend of uh, July in Dallas. And I, as a speaker, you know, I'm going to do my presentation, but they said, oh, yeah, we'd also like to include you in this. And I thought, oh, OK, I need to find the latest and the greatest of what's going on down right, there. Right. So well, I'm very was, excited to hear your talk this July. Yeah, that that'll be interesting to find out. You know, I'm sure there's people that are expertise in that. I found some things uh, back. It was a. Uh, 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 WikiLeaks had some things out of Antarctica that um, a light, um, a glow on the ice, they were released. 
back of oh four years or three four years ago when they had uh oh there was a gentleman that was releasing all kinds of things i can't remember his name um but yeah i've got a few pictures they might those might even be in the book i'll have to i have to look i've gone you know <laughs> <laughs> there and then I'm, I'm moving on to you know more things but you know in my mind I know all the things that I've researched and that's probably I believe that's in there too but yeah WikiLeaks has got a few pictures of strange anomalies in and around Antarctica uh Japan Japan has a devil's triangle Bermuda triangle I talked Bermuda to somebody, triangle. right oh, right uh, I talked to someone who's uh served on a submarine yeah, the nuclear sub in the Navy. And he said that uh, they were in the Bermuda Triangle and they they had deep in the water and they had their, all of a sudden their sonar was out or their radar and everything was out. All their tracking was out. Wow. And he said it was just about three, four minutes, but for three, four minutes to be deep underwater and be blind. That's it, very scary. Is is very scary. And, and so we know that, we know there's something going on there. Yeah. There's, they have a, a similar triangle called Devil's Triangle right off Japan, and there's sightings there. There's also a Michigan Triangle, Lake Michigan, all the way from the tip. <sighs> Lake down. Michigan. A, right. lot of, a lot of things there, a lot of sightings, but a, a lot of mysterious um, sinking of ships and downing of airplanes. One of the airplanes that lost power, uh, the, uh, the person who sang Dock of the Bay, Otis Redding, that's how he died. He was, I believe, 28. They were coming from a, a con conference or from a concert, I believe, in right. Iowa or Ohio. He was coming across Lake Michigan and they their electronics cut out and they just went right into a lake in Wisconsin. They were headed into Wisconsin. Also, I mean, we got the Alaska Triangle. A lot of strange things there. There's, a, I believe there's a base someplace by Alaska, someplace by Puerto Rico, Japan, Solomon Islands, um, Bermuda Triangle. Goodness, let's see. Oh, Russia, definitely. I think there's there's something going on in and around the Baltic Sea. There's things coming in and out of there all the time. There might be smaller little areas where they come in and out of, but the waters in and around Russia are very, very active, especially with beings. They've had reports of 10 foot, seeing 10 foot tall beings uh, swimming underwater for underwater, years. Underwater, ten foot tall beings. Swim that one. Uh, wow. One report was at thirteen hundred feet. Another wow. one were thirteen hundred feet. Wow. Seven military divers that were down doing tech diving practice mm -hmm. and saw them at one hundred and sixty-five feet. Wow. Were they wearing any kind of um, clothing or uniforms or gear, scuba gear of some sort? No, or they. They're, they they're dressed in a silver suit, tight fitting. And they have just a helmet on with some kind of breathing device, oh. no tank or anything, just a helmet and a silvery suit, 10 foot tall. Wow. Uh, the, the one that, that happened in, um, that was in the 80s in, in Russia, Lake Bakal. There were seven divers, tech divers, the equivalent of um, Navy SEALs, went underwater um, in, in the lake to do training. 165 yeah. feet, they came across four a 10 foot tall alien beings that now can you even imagine that because it's deep and it's dark. So they have right. flashlights and they're doing this. And then all of a sudden there's these four alien beings, 10 foot tall, you know, just hovering in the water, one in front, three in the back. So they had to make their way. They backed off, made their way to the surface in levels, you know, so they didn't go completely to the surface. It probably took them an hour, two hours, depending on how long they'd been down there. It might have in, in, yeah. in stages, no less than an hour, if not more than that, depending on how long they've been down. Safety stops to get to the top. And then they're told to go back under a couple of days later and see if they can find them again and catch one, which they did. They went back under, found them again, attempted to throw a net over one of them. Oh, my gosh. The one in the, the, the lead alien. That's kind of inhumane, really. Well, well, now, well, he put his hand out. But can you even imagine now? You're going to go down there and you're going to net this this creature or this this being, and then how are you going to get it to the surface? Are you going to try and do it right. in levels? Can it can this being survive on the surface? I mean, it's it's set to decompression down there. It, it's you know you can take a fish right, from deep right. water and then you bring it to the surface. You know this thing's going to blow yeah. up. 
That's right. Well, they decided they're going to take the creature up, and, and I don't know if they thought they would hold on to it. Now, how are you going to hold on to this creature while you do your decompression and you get to the surface? I'm sure they had some kind of a plan. Anyway, the creature put its arms straight out, and all seven, seven of them, the, the Russian divers, all went to the surface. Uh, three died the moment they got up. They were pretty well decompression sickness. Your blood basically boils. Three, uh, three of them died immediately. The other four they took to decompression chambers. They only had two. One chamber was working. The other one was not. Put all four of them in the one chamber, and only one survived. Oh, and there was a incredible. hearing. And there was a hearing, and they uh, the results were that they weren't going to dive in that lake anymore. <laughs> it was, it was up until, um, you think, you know. <laughs> Well, they were asking for it. You've got to admit. <laughs> and and uh, that it ended up coming out when the Soviet Union, you know, when right. the Soviet Union broke up, you know, and then you, you yeah. went to Russia. There was a lot of information that was released. And uh, there's a couple really good books from Russian ufologists that verify a lot of this. They've, they've got articles, newspaper articles and documents right. and some great books out there on the UFO sightings in Russia. And they've got some great ones because like I said, you know, when, when the Soviet union, you know, broke up. Right. We're just, you know, they, they lost a lot of that and things were released that should not have been. We got some really, really great information. Yeah, that's for sure. So uh, Lana is asking here, the um, documentary that you were mentioning, mentioning before that might be on Netflix, is it called a tear in the sky? I think it's called The Tear in the Sky. The Tear in the Sky. Okay. Yes. And you could probably put in Tear in the Sky Catalina Island and it'll okay. it'll pop up on, you know, you can Google it and it'll pop up. Yeah. Um, I saw it. I, I don't remember. Like I said, I've got, I've got Amazon Prime and I've, I've got Netflix too. So it was on one of those two. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm so many sure. streaming services. It's hard to keep these things. Oh, I know. It, it, those sure. are like the two main ones. It was on one of those. I don't, I don't take too many of the other ones because I, I, I spent so much time researching that. Right. Right. You know, I, I like the main ones just for the document, you know, I try and get all the ones that's got really good documentaries. Exactly. And then we've got a question here from Joe who's asking what's going on at the bottom of the great barrier reef. Ooh, Australia. I don't know. That's the only place I probably don't want to go scuba diving. Um, <laughs> if it's going to kill you, it's there. They have a little tiny jellyfish, just the size of like a dime, that if it bites you, you're dead in an hour. They've got a spider. If the spider bites you, you're dead in an hour, an hour and a half. They have the great whites who, who eat, they, they eat humans for sport. Um, there's so many places to go diving that I thought, yeah, I, I know it looks really pretty, but I'd rather go maybe Cuba or, you know, or someplace else. I, I don't know. I don't know. Do a lot of research of the Great Barrier Reef, but but I, that that I don't. Yeah, I avoid that. I, <laughs> I don't want to come up on a on a 20 foot long shark. <laughs> well, that might be. If a lot of people are afraid to dive there, it might be a good place for an alien base. It probably, yeah, it probably yeah. would be. I know lots, the area, it's pretty, you know, it's divable, pretty shallow, you know, right around the reef. Right. But, you know, except, you know, you get farther out in the water. I'll research and find that out. Thank you. I'll, I'll do some research and find out what's going on in that area that just mentally is a... Yeah, you know, you might want to research because Joe is yeah. saying, and he and he knows a lot about some of these things. Oh. He says that supposedly there's a confirmed ET and human base there. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I will. Thank you. I will definitely look into that. Yeah, you know, there's so many mysterious places and things. So, so what's coming up next for you? What are you doing next? Next, um, you mean? Physically or mentally or, you know, like where, any, and, where yeah, am I it could be, uh, oh, in, okay. any, in any way you wish to answer that question, oh. like what, you know, what, I'm, what's I'm working next on, on your path? Oh, I'm working on book number three. That's going, it's about water, but it's going to focus on everything that's uh, I found that's underwater. There's underwater sounds um, in and around Russia. There's the underwater beings. There's people taken underwater. There's uh, reports of the bases underwater, 
um, different scientists who have said, you know, I believe that this is here or military people would say this is here. Submarines that are picking up uh, sounds and motions that have chased things underwater. So I'm, I'm focusing on underwater activity. I think it's I'm going to call it. Um, let's see. Deep, deep water. Let's see. Deep water aliens and the cover up. Ooh, that sounds great. I can't wait to get it and add it to my collection. And I, again, another another push here for Debbie's book because it is so good. It is called The Alien Colonization of Earth's Waterways, A Reference Guide to UFO, USO Water-Related Activity. And it is a reference guide, but it is something that once you pick it up and start thumbing through, you're going to want to read cover to cover, which is what I did. It has all of these different accounts and cases um, throughout the body of the book and from all over the world. It's amazing, uh, just eyewitness accounts. Some are more um, you know, police officers, some are regular people. It's an incredible book. Oh, thank you. I tried to um, also, I have a chapter just explaining about trenches and what they are and the possibility yes. what base is gonna be. And, and my theory exactly. is you have to know what is human made, wh where humans can possibly occupy, where we have um, bases underwater, you know, uh, Jacques Cousteau, you know, his grandson is still doing that in the Florida Keys. Right. He really ran across that one. We had a condo <laughs> for a few years and we took the boat out. We go, what is that buoy out there? And we, we got, it was this great big red buoy. So we took the boat and we inched up to this buoy and it said, um, please stay uh, uh, with uh, uh, stay 500 feet back uh, underwater <laughs> research facility below. Well, you had to get right on the buoy before you could read that. And we're like, oh no! So we I <laughs> so we know where their research center is, but you have to know where we're building underwater, where we have underwater submarine bases, and right. what we have before you start speculating that it belongs to us or somebody from you know, someone, some otherworldly being. And then you have to know where the hiding places are and the possibilities of what they may or may not want. So I'm, I'm going to, just because of the research that I've done, I'll probably do one, one last third book, but um, let's see, I'll be speaking to the symposium. Um, I'll be in um, Piedmont in April, let's see, May, June, oh, uh, there's a conference uh, the uh, in, in Arkansas. I'm always there the last weekend of um, October, they have a, a charity conference for a, a charity event for the uh, this paranormal conference for the General MacArthur Museum. Oh, uh, wow, wonderful, wonderful. And it's like 10, $15 a day to get in. It's a great conference. If yes, you're in the Little fantastic. Rock area, you should look that up. It's it's really great. Look this one up. Yeah. yeah, they have speakers on all different subjects and, you know, that, you know, paranormal that, um, um, Ken, um, um, oh, let's see, um, let's see, what's Gephardt? Oh gosh, I'm sorry, Ken, I can't remember his name. But the the gentleman that's out there that investigates creatures, um, and you've seen him on TV. Uh, oh gosh, but go you know, anyway. Ken's gonna be. He's always there. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Ken. It's been a been a long, interesting week. Um, a lot of things going on in the area here and a lot of things going on in ufology. And um, so my, my brain's a little rattled today, but. Yeah, well, we really appreciate you spending this time with us and thank you so much for um, answering questions and hanging out and talking about <laughs> underwater UFOs and where can people find, find, you know, follow you and, and find out more about your research. Um, I, um, uh... I've, um, I've just, I don't get, I need to get on my, I have a website. Um, it's um, uh, debbydiver.com. And um, also you can look into missourimufon.org. That's our, our Missouri website. Uh, if you want to ask me any more questions, you can email me at mufondiver at gmail.com. Oh, I love that. That's great. And um I'm I'm kind of I kind of pop up here and there. Oh, I'm supposed to be on um, in April. I'm I'm, I'm going to believe be on um, Ancient Aliens. Oh, exciting! And so that's about all I can say right now because it's not out yet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and then we'll, I'll, I'll look forward to that. You can you can you can find me on um, Alaska Triangle. 
that's been like four or five years ago. And I had people call me constantly. They just keep rerunning it, I guess. <laughs> but uh, if you're, you want to look me up, MUFONDiver at gmail.com. And I'll try and help you, you know, if you're, you're, you're wanting uh, to know about anything that has to do with water, I'll do the best I can to lead you in the right direction. Well, thank you, Debbie. I really appreciate Oh, really appreciate thank you, you and your research and for talking with us today. I know that everyone enjoyed this immensely and it'll it'll be up on our YouTube for uh, anyone who didn't catch it live to watch oh, later. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. And sorry if I rattled on a little bit. But... No, are you kidding? You're an absolutely wonderful, beautiful guest. You kept everyone riveted. At least I was riveted. I couldn't <laughs> stop. My I'm mind passionate. was just like going like crazy, picturing I'm all these things. about and, it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah passionate about that. the subject. And there's so much out there that there's all this information. And a lot of times I have trouble getting from there to here. But there's just, <laughs> there's so much. Just read whatever you can about water. And there's a lot of books out there. Oh, and if you want to find my books, they're on Amazon. Yeah, that's right. I got your book on Amazon. Everybody pick up this book. And I'm going to order your um, book, the, your 50th anniversary. Oh, thank you. Uh, of the Ozark sightings book because I enjoyed this one so much. So oh, everybody get Debbie's book and keep your eyes on the skies and on and under the water. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>